welcome to Element City Church, and uh, just honored that you're here with us for this uh, worship night, and as we continue in that vein and kind of in that tone tonight, um, I want to look at this idea of, of singing. Because often uh, in our culture, we have different experiences with singing. Maybe uh, you have different places where you sing. How many of you sing in the car? Yes. How many of you have had the experience expressing that singing in the car where the person next to you notices that you're singing in the car? And either you can roll down the window and they join in with you, or they normally just kind of give you that the look, right? With like, I don't know if you realized how goofball you look right now, but we, we sing in the car. I do it all the time. We sing in the shower. Um, don't sing that song because that's just a weird song that's out right now. But we, we sing in different places. We sing at birthday parties, right? We all gather around. No one, help, no, no one knows how to start happy birthday in tune, right? Can we just admit that there is no right tune? Everyone just kind of sings, and it's a mess. And at the end, you're like, yay, cake. Um, so it's fine, because cake is afterwards, and that's fine. We, we sing in a lot of different places. We, we sing to ourselves, maybe studying for homework. We, we sing to our children, maybe putting them to bed. We, we sing uh, at the ball game, right? It's the seventh inning, and everyone stands, and it's this tradition, you watch World Cup, and they start with their national anthems, and we sing national anthem, don't we? And so there's lots of expression of where we sing, but tonight I want to look at this idea of, of why we sing here. Because maybe you're kind of coming back to church, and this is your first time back, and I want to welcome you here. I hope that tonight you get a, a little bit of a taste of a community of people who are, who are trying their best to understand this grace and love of Jesus and to follow after him. And I just want to personally welcome you here, because I know it takes guts to come to a new place and to put yourself out there. And so I hope tonight is an encouragement to you. But I want to look real briefly at why we sing as we continue here in a few moments, uh, walking through some things. And we're going to have some prayer time tonight. We're going to have communion, uh, a moment for that. And we're going to sing a lot. And I want to look at why. Because why we sing matters. Why we sing builds things. In Colossians, it says... uh, Let's keep encouraging one another in the words of Christ as you sing hymns and and psalms and songs to one another. Be encouraged richly in your heart with these words of Christ. See, often we come to church to hear words and hear words from the Bible and to say, how does this apply and and how is this applicable to my life? And we do that here. But we sing and and often... um, Maybe sometimes, especially if you're kind of new, you think, well, okay, just singing words. And, well, maybe there are more than words. Maybe there are different things to kind of help us. In fact, in First Peter, it says words like these. Peter talks about our identity as someone who has been saved by the grace of Jesus and kind of brought into the family of God. He, he declares some things over you. You are a chosen people. You're not a forgotten people. You're a hand-picked people. That in the grand scheme of the dodgeball game of the universe, God picked you to be on his team. You're a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. You have royalty in your blood now as a new creation, rescued by the grace and the love and the hope of Jesus. You are significant that way. You're not just a castaway. You're not someone who's just a remnant. You're, you are adopted into this royal family 
that has lineage and has power and has strength. You are God's special possession. Think about that. You're God's special possession. That you may, what? Declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness and into His wonderful light. Why do we sing? Well, we sing to declare praises of the one who rescued us out of darkness and into light. Not because of who we are or what I've done, but simply because I'm a chosen person. I've been handpicked by the creator who handmade me. And he said, you're on my team. And now that you're on my team, I want you to declare my praises to every nation and to every people group. Why we sing and why we gather as a church and why singing is a part of that is because we want to declare the greatness and the goodness of the God who rescued us. That's why we sing. Now, so often sometimes churches get into these tension wars where, well, you know, this style of worship is this way and this style of worship is this way. I don't know if you ever heard about this or not, uh, but churches like have disagreements about worship styles and stuff. And there's, there's tensions that build with that. But here's what Jesus would say. You are a chosen people. And you can have a preference, but listen, listen, listen. It's a preference. And the principle is that you have been picked to now declare the praises of the one who picked you, who brought you from death to life, from dark to light. And brought you into this family where you have significance in God's family because of who adopted you in. And so it's this call that we have to declare the praises. We sing because we want to anchor ourselves. That's why we sing. We want to anchor ourselves to something that's steady and sure, that doesn't shift and move around. How many of you, you you live in a culture and in a world where things seem to be moving at warp speed and everything's changing and, and it, it flexes all the time. And yet, you know why we sing? We sing because we serve a God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it anchors us. Because what I need in the midst of the blur of life is I need to be anchored to something that isn't blurry. This love and this grace that I have that, that anchors me to my identity as a chosen one. Not because of who I am or what I did, but simply because of what he did. Because his grace is enough for me. I sing because I want to be anchored. We sing because we want to refocus our attention. We want to refocus our attention on things that matter. There's so much in our world that wants to have us chase after things that fade and falter. And friends, we sing because we need these words to anchor us and we need these words to help us refocus to who matters in life and what really matters in life. That's why the church gathers. Think about it. For thousands of years, the church that Jesus started, this movement, this Jesus movement, singing has been a part of that. Why? Is it just because um, it, it fills time? That no one wanted to listen to a talking head for an hour and a half? Is it more than that? Let us encourage one another in these words of Christ. And let's encourage each other and dwell richly in this with psalms and hymns and songs. Why did they write those things? 
Maybe it's because words, when just simply spoken, have a have a special power to them, and the spoken word is a powerful thing. But words that are sung have a way of refocusing our mind and our emotion, right? Poetry is like that. That's what singing is. It's poetry. Why is so much of the scripture poetic in nature? Because it wants to capture more than just your mind. It wants to capture and maybe refocus your attention of your emotions. Why does the psalmist say, Why so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. It's a song that he sings. Why? Because singing has a way of refocusing your attention. Singing has a way of anchoring you to something that's bigger than you. We sing because we want to remember that we're a part of a much, much bigger story that's unfolding around us. This Jesus movement story is a story that's been unfolding for thousands of years, and it's a story that's big enough to unfold you into it. And we need great words on our lips. Because I don't know about you, but do you, don't you live in a generation and in a culture where words are meaningless sometimes? And yet words are powerful and they can sting, right? And words of cynicism can just begin to break people down, don't they? Words of discouragement can begin to pull away at people. So why do we sing? Because we need to remember that we're a part of a much, much bigger story. That we are a chosen people embraced into this family of God that need to be anchored to that. We sing because of the greatness and the goodness of God because we get to declare that. We get to declare that. Listen, we get to declare that to Tucson, Arizona. We, in this room, we in churches gathered around this city get to declare the greatness and the goodness of God over this city. And so we sing. You know why we sing in a, in a high school here? Not just because we meet here. But we want to declare the greatness and the goodness of God that echoes in these halls on a Wednesday. That's one of our prayers that we pray for this place is that it would become a place of peace and that people would begin to be awakened to something greater and to this bigger story that's going on around them that maybe they're so caught up in their own little story that they're missing out on. And so we sing to remind ourselves. So singing is a big deal in the church. And here's my encouragement to you. For some of you, you're like, okay, preacher guy, that's nice. But I just sit here and I like listening to music. That's cool. I do too. They make headphones for that. Here's my invitation to you. Sing. And I know you may feel uncomfortable doing that. But friend, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are told to declare his praises. Can I read you one of the great psalms? There's a couple psalms. Uh, Psalm 100 is the one I'd love for you to kind of hear tonight. This puts great words on our lips. See, you have to understand that worship leaders are the artists or the spiritual architects of the day. They put great words on our lips because it's important to have that. Anyone ever been overseas to maybe a cathedral that is over, and and a lot of churches overseas have become museums, right? But you walk into a cathedral 
And here's what happens. I walked in in Rome, okay, to, to St. Petersburg, into to Rome there, into St. Peter's Cathedral there. And you walk in, and here's immediately what happens. Okay, you can't explain a cathedral. You can't. You can use words and you could talk about vaulted ceilings and you could talk about paintings and you could talk about artwork all over the place. But those words just telling you that doesn't help you feel anything. But when you experience one, when you walk into one, suddenly you're transported into something greater. And here's what you feel. You suddenly realize, I'm small. This is big. And this is reflective of a very big God. That's the beauty of cathedrals, is they capture you. Maybe the psalmist in Psalm 100 is trying to capture that. He says words like this, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord. Worship Yahweh with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. It's literally this idea of throw up praise to God. Not throw up like, but throwing up praise to God. Why? Because he is vaulted high above all of us. His greatness, his goodness sets him apart. He's holy. And we're not. But he welcomes us. He adopts us. He lets us be the chosen into his family through Jesus. Know that Yahweh is God. It is him who made us. We are his. Notice the identity again. He made us. We're his. We are his people. The sheep of his pasture. He watches over. He's the great shepherd. That's another psalm. He's the one that takes care of us. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For Yahweh is good and his love endures forever. His love endures to the vanishing point on the horizon and beyond. So as far as you can see on a clear day and here in Tucson, you hike a mountain and you can look. His love endures forever. It goes beyond the vanishing point. His hesed love, this covenant committed kind of love, this love that doesn't say it's a contract. And if you break your contract, then I'm out too. It's not a contract love. It's a covenant love that God made to you in Jesus where he said, my love is for you even when you're against me. I won't break my deals. It's a covenant, his Hesed love. It's an unrelenting kind of love. It doesn't change. It doesn't shift. It doesn't fade. It doesn't falter. It endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations, over and over and over. God says, I'm here for you. I won't abandon you. I won't fail you. So why do we sing? We sing because we need great words on our lips. Because I live, I'll speak for myself, I live in a culture that goes at warp speed. And I need to be reminded. And I need to be anchored. And I need to remember that I'm a part of a much bigger story. And I need to have that not just in my head knowledge, but I need it to move my heart as well. See, worship is literally building a cathedral with words. So that every time we declare, we declare God's praises over the city, over this place, over your life, over my life, over us as a church, over this nation, over this world. We're declaring that His greatness and His goodness is available. See, we have this vision 
this mission as a church, about inviting people in on the good news we got. That's really what we're about. And part of that is in singing. And so maybe in the, the, the space of your life, in a week, we gather, the church gathers. But the church also scatters to go be the church. See, this isn't just the church. The church isn't a building, because we're mobile, because we may move someday. It's not a building, it's a people. And as a people gather, we sing to anchor ourselves to history, to anchor ourselves to the artist and the spiritual architects of the past whose words still linger within our heart. Because here's what I know to be true. Have you ever been singing and all of a sudden there's a phrase that just kind of sticks within you? Or maybe you leave here on a Sunday night and you're driving home and there's just a phrase or a song or a, a phrase of that song that just kind of resounds within your heart. You need that, don't you? That's all part of this. That's why we sing. It's also why we pray. And we're going to move into a time of, of prayer. And uh, we've got a couple different um, times that we're going to do tonight in our worship night uh, of praying specifically for a couple different things. And I know in a lot of ways, sometimes praying out loud with other people, some of you just heard that, you're introverts, you're freaking out right now. Uh, don't, don't freak out. It's okay. Don't hyperventilate. Um, here's what I want to invite us to do. Often, we pray in private. That's a lot of our prayer lives. Uh, we pray on the go. Maybe you pray in your car after you're done singing. I don't know. Um, but you, you go and prayer is kind of this private thing. And, and tonight, I, I want to invite us as a church to practice a Bible verse where it says, pray for one another. Whoa, that's uncomfortable. Yeah, um, a little bit of it, it, it might be. But here's what I'm going to invite you to do. Okay, We're going to have um, three things that we're going to pray for tonight. And then we're going to worship a little bit more. And we're going to come back, take communion, and pray for a couple other things. For this first one, I'm going to ask for you just to pray for yourself. So the church, the early church, uh, as it was established and as it going, see, prayer is about connecting with God. It's about seeking His wisdom, about being attentive to Him. In Acts 2.42, we're talked, uh, told that they, they devoted themselves, this early church, to the apostles' teaching, which is the Word. They devoted themselves to the word. They devoted themselves to the fellowship and the breaking of bread to community with one another. And they devoted themselves to prayer. And so just like the early church, we're reaching back in time. We're going to practice what the church has done for thousands of years. And that's leaning into prayer. And so I'm going to do that through um, the songs you just sang. And so these three things that we're going to pray for really flow out of the songs that you just sang. And that we just sang. And so this first one is this. Coming out of the first songs we sang, Alive and Wake, I want us to pray for ourselves. I want you to pray for yourself, just in the, in the space of your seat. You're not moving yet. You're not going to talk to other people yet. I'm just going to give you 30 seconds or so. And I want you to, to pray along this line of, of the singing that we're doing, this idea of, God, would you awaken within me this desire to know you? This, this passion to help make you known in the way I live my life, in the connections I have. Maybe you've got some personal struggles going on. And I want you to have some space just to bring that to God. And to have some, some moments where you can connect with Him. Maybe it's just asking God for a growing awareness within you to His activity in your life. 
you know, maybe you're here and you're not even a follower of Jesus yet. But here's what I got to tell you. God's active in your life. You may not recognize it. You may not notice it. But maybe this is just a simple prayer time to say, God, would you just help me be awakened to an awareness of your activity in my life? And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you 30 seconds. And you just bow your heads right there where you're at. And I want you to just pray for yourself. You know what's going on within you. And I just want you to take some time. God hears our prayers. He's attentive, the scriptures say. And so you take some time right now and just pray for yourself. Father, each one of us here has a a laundry list of action items that we need help, we need guidance, we need wisdom, we need your activity in. And so, Father, quickly, I give all those to you. And Father, specifically, I want to dial into our hearts tonight. God, for each one here, would you help us become a people that are awakened to the awareness of your activity in our lives more and more. That our pulse would quicken to follow after you, to use our skills and our abilities and our connections and our dreams that you put within us to further your story because we're a part of a much bigger story. Father, would you be active in each one of our lives? We ask that in Jesus' name. For this next prayer, I'm going to ask that uh, you consider in a moment to pair up with someone next to you. So if you don't know them, uh, you'll have a moment to meet them um, in a second. And I know I know this is a stretch, and we don't do this very often. In fact, we haven't done it yet. Um, and so, like, if you're a guest, like, next week, we're not going to pray for half an hour with the person that you haven't met yet. It's fine. Um, and so... I'm just going to ask you to practice something, to kind of stretch out of your comfort zone, especially for those of you who might be introverts. And here's what I'm going to ask, um, that as you pair up with two or three people right around you, just one of you is going to pray, okay, out loud. The other ones can just pray in their mind, and you can pray in your heart. And here's what I invite you to do. I want us to spend some time praying for our city. Um, Our city has so many woes, doesn't it? So many struggles. Um... This song that we sang, the third one, Christ is enough. Here's what I know to be true. You you take away policy, you take away politics, you take away um, so many of the things our city depends on for life and, and to be a source of life. At the end of the day, all those systems are faulty and they can fade and they can break, can't they? Here's what I know to be true. Jesus doesn't.
Christ is enough for the city of Tucson, Arizona. And we need to see more of his life and his activity on display in our city through policies and through uh, activities within nonprofits and through schools and through all that. And we'll pray for some of those later. But I just want to pray and ask that you would join me in praying for an awakening toward God in our city. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to invite you just to turn right where you're at with one or two people right around you. And if that's uncomfortable, then you can do four or five. It's okay. Only one of you is going to pray for it, okay? So we're just going to give you 30 seconds or so for one of you to kind of lift this up to say, God, we know Jesus is enough for our city. And I don't know what that means for you to pray, but I'm going to give you a moment to do that, okay? Because each one of those prayers is going to be different. And so chairs are going to squeak. It's okay. It's just move to two, three people right around you. Um, and if you're an introvert and you don't know, at least say, hi, I'm so-and-so. But you put your name in there because no one's named so-and-so. All right, now that everyone knows your name, here's what I invite you to do. Take 30 seconds right now. And you're going to pray for the city of Tucson, Arizona. However you feel like one of you led. And you can be short prayers. It's not long. We're not trying to see how spiritual you are. Um, This is preschool prayers, okay? Just pray for our city. Take 30 seconds right now. Go. Father, we lift our city to you. And uh, all these prayers going up, you hear them, you know them, you know what our city needs. Father, I pray for our leaders. God, would you give them wisdom and discernment beyond their experience to be able to understand and chart courses that are best for the people of this city. Father, would you grant us your favor? And would you allow your church and us individually to shine bright to recognize that Jesus is enough for Tucson, Arizona. And so, Father, we don't know how that will find expression. But the best way we know how, we want to take next steps in expressing that. That people might find a hope that outlasts policy. And a hope that outlasts a program. But the hope in the person of Jesus Christ. And so we pray for our city that there will be an awakening and an awareness to your activity here in this place. We ask that in Jesus' name. Final, uh, I'm just going to pray for us in this final one, but maybe just with the people around you, is to pray for your church, for Element City Church, and for the churches across this city, that 
we would be the church of Jesus, bringing his hope and his grace. And so would you just join me in that? We're going to continue on in worship. And so, Father, uh, we want to pray for your church tonight. God, you said that you are the builder of your church. It's not a person. It's not a personality. It's you. So you get all the credit. You get all the glory. Father, would you use your church to breathe life, to be a source of life-giving hope to people who desperately need it. It starts with us. We need that. With the people we're connected to, they need that. Our city, our nation, our world. Father, would you let your church be active in a way that people could not help but notice there was something different about your church and about the people who follow after you. Not perfect, but progressive in knowing and expressing your hope and your grace in tangible and practical ways. And so, Father, as we continue in worship, Father, we want to build a cathedral of words that we can bask in the greatness and the goodness of you and be changed in the process.